Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're either in or you're out. Right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! Pack your bags and get ready. You're going to Vegas with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. This is Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, the podcast. You know, when you come to Las Vegas, there are some great acts around here that are multi-talented. And we have one of those great acts, been around for a while. She's fantastic. A comic ventriloquist. We're going to talk about all that and an upcoming show they've got over at the Sterling Club. It's on Tuesday, May the 3rd at 7 o'clock, Night of Comedy with Stefano DeSanto. And Michelle LaFong is going to headline that, which will be really exciting. Michelle, welcome. Good to have you on. Talk about how you get into uh, ventriloquism. Ventriloquism. Well, how did I get into that is basically, uh, you know, when you kind of need to talk and uh, get answers and you can't, no one can see your lips moving is the problem. Like, it started out in school. You know, then I got really good at it, and I started throwing my voice across the room. And it's easier to learn as a child, I think. Really? Kind of like foreign language, huh? That way where you're kind of open to it as a child? I don't know why it's so much easier to learn everything as a child, but it just it's it's almost like we're born geniuses and we uh, just go downhill. Ever since. I don't know. Well, you were the protege of the great late Senor Winces, and as a fan of Ed Sullivan, I still watch it to this day. They have it on MeTV. People may not know who that is if they're not they don't have a few years, but this guy was fantastic. He did the old uh, Sorai and stuff that really was he a had part a head of head in the box, Pedro. Uh, all right, Sorart, Sorart, and close the door. Yeah, and right. and he had uh, a lipstick hand puppet that he would draw on his hand and put a wig on it, and he had a body, and he looked alive, you know, and that was Johnny, the lipstick hand puppet, and uh, he was on the Ed Sullivan Show a record number of times, more than any other guest, 53, I believe. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) And Ed Sullivan was a big deal in those days, I mean... Half the country was watching it at one time, you know? Absolutely. I used to go to the Museum of Broadcasting and study all the old, um, you know, all the old airings of uh, Senor Wences because I just found him so fascinating that this guy didn't even need material. He just, his timing made everything so funny. His voices and the timing, it was almost musical. And I just studied him, and I didn't even get to meet him till he was 99 years old. <laughs> well, yeah, that is incredible. And you know, that is true. If you watch him, it's almost like it's all coming off the top of his head. It's just really different than what's popular now in that world. I mean, he, he was just a, a great thinker, and he could do that back and forth thing like people were talking to each other that really, at that point, wasn't done by anybody else. No, and and to this day, I don't know anybody who who does it like that. 
You know, he just had a natural um, timing is everything. And he had the timing, he had the voices, but the element of surprise is where he really came in strong. And he just had a natural way of distracting people where you think it's coming from the right and he hits you from the left, you know? <laughs> and uh, it, that is just pure talent and, and instinct. That's what I think. Well, that is great. Now, you got some of his puppets. Tell that story, because that's kind of like if you're a baseball player, Babe Ruth giving you his bats. It's unbelievable. I I couldn't get over it myself. Uh, It started with, you know, we used to, uh, my manager is the one who introduced me to him, and I really didn't believed that he was going to be able to do this because we lived in New York. My manager is the, the late uh, Marty Fisher, and uh, he he was from Gold Star Entertainment, and I was with him a very long time, and, uh, you know, he, he didn't think anything was impossible. So I didn't even know Senor Wences was still alive, and uh, he read in the paper that he was turning a hundred years old soon and he was he said to me i'm gonna reach out and see if i can uh, do a show with him and and put you on the show and and do a tribute you know and i said yeah 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 right <laughs> <laughs> He couldn't believe I remembered the names of these puppets. So 
like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then he said, uh, which are your favorites? And he put them all aside. And it started with seven, seven half heads. And he said, you take this home with you. And I said, really? <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it. And so I, I said, uh, Tally, he's telling me that I take this home. It, 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 is, this, is this okay? And she talks to him in Spanish. He says back in Spanish. She gets a bag. She puts the, the seven half heads in the bag. And she hands it to me. She goes, he wants you to have these. And then I said, oh, my God, thank you so much. I, I was crying. And yeah. he says, you'll get everything, but not today. <laughs> he goes, you'll get everything. And he meant to give me everything. Um, but Mrs. Wences uh, had already promised Norm Nielsen, the magician, uh, his old friend, uh, who was also on all these shows, and uh, a famous magician, and she had promised him 30 years ago, because he was also a collector, that she would send him a trunk with his stuff in it. So he did end up getting a trunk with some good stuff in it. Uh, <laughs> but I got a lot, I got everything else. I got um, all the rest of the trunks and the puppets. I got his plates that he spun. I got his tuxedos, his, uh, his top hats. Everything had his name engraved in it. Every single thing. And he engraved his initials on the trunks. And he, every single detail, it was like he kept strap, like scrapbooks from 1929. Oh, my. Yeah. Well, that is great. Well, you know, I forgot about the plate spinning stuff. That was terrific. I mean, if anything, said the Ed Sullivan Show. And I've used that as an example when you talk about having to multitask. He was doing it on stage before everybody even knew what the term was. Absolutely. Absolutely. I did the plate spinning thing with uh, Johnny and Pedro one time, one performance, uh, when I was in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and it just was too... I'm not a plate spinner, but I, I really practiced it and everything else, and it worked fine. It's just that it let me know it's edgy. I, yeah. I could... <laughs> You know, because at least the puppets heckle me when I screw up, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. You can have fun with it. Speaking of that, everybody has great puppets. You know, right now when you think of this, you're thinking a lot about Jeff Dunham and all those puppets. But those things, I forget how expensive they are to be made, every little detail. But you had one of the really great early puppets, too. I want you to talk a little about what you called the stud puppet, Paco. Oh, I love Paco. <laughs> tell, tell us about Paco. <laughs> Paco was based on an ex-boyfriend uh, out of revenge because um, I thought it was, I'm going to just go out there and, and show everybody what he really sounds like <laughs> behind closed doors. And uh, he, he was very, like, uh, misogynistic 
and sexist and, you know, but charming. <laughs> you know, charming at the same time. And he got away with it, yeah. you know. So I did it, and he showed up at the show <laughs> with all of his friends, and he loved it. it the of whole course. thing backfired, the whole thing. <laughs> of course <laughs> he would. <laughs> picture of Paco in a wallet like it's his son after that, you know? <laughs> but people <laughs> love that point. stuff because everybody knows a Paco, you know? <laughs> And I'm sure a exactly. lot of people have dated Pacos. <laughs> yeah. And if you've dated them, you never forget them, right? You know, so That's that makes the sense. truth. <laughs> Only it's better when it's your puppet, because when you're done with them, they go back in the box. The <laughs> way it should be, you know? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> and people can tell just by talking with you. You you have a great radio show. We're going to talk about that and a conversation that you do. But uh, I want to talk about your work on stage. It's not just a ventriloquist. You also, you know, a comedian, you you do all sorts of things, and you've worked with some of the the best. Now, you've been doing this for a little while because you were Best Female Comic Award winner over at the Las Vegas Comedy Festival at the Tropicana and so forth. And even though there's a lot more women in it today, it's still kind of tough, right? I mean, Vegas is still kind of more of a male-oriented town when it comes to comedy and uh, on stage. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I, stereotypes exist. They will always exist. People will always... I mean, e even this show, at first, people's reaction, oh, three, I don't want three women on a show. Wait a minute. <laughs> you put three men on a show, do you think that's wrong? <laughs> you know, there's yeah. three men on a show, okay, but three women comics on a show is not okay. What is that? <laughs> I, that's true. That's true. But, you you know, you've worked with some of the best, and I think we, we already talked about Senior Wences, but also Debbie Reynolds, huge star. Jackie Mason, the great, late, unfortunately, oh, Jackie Mason. Do you think that kind of like helped your entire career? When when I would imagine when you're with somebody like that, especially when you're starting out, you're looking at them real careful to see how they've done it because obviously they managed to stay in a business that a lot of people don't make a couple of years and they've been in there for decades. Absolutely. I mean, I, I couldn't have been more blessed. I mean, I was mentored by Jackie Mason, Debbie Reynolds, and Senior Wences. I mean, you get, how do you... How do you match that? I mean, Debbie Reynolds, an old pro, and and she just was so gifted on stage. The way she handled people, and she could sing, she could dance, she did comedy, she did impressions. Just incredible all the way around, and, and such a pro. And the same thing with Jackie Mason. Both of them were like exactly the same off stage as they were on. Yeah, that comes that comes through on that. What kind of dogs do you have, by the way? I gotta ask you. <laughs> I have shepherd mixes, uh, rescues. <laughs> well, they're doing a good job. They're protecting the place. Yeah, sorry about that. Did you ever talk to uh, Jackie Mason? Being that you know Sullivan, you you were very familiar with that world. That whole thing was strange, and you know, for the fact that he resurrected his career and actually got to be popular on Broadway is amazing. It but, is. Because Ed tried to ruin his career for whatever reason. Well, yeah. Well, you know, till the bitter end, Jackie insisted he never gave the finger to him, but he did. <laughs> <laughs> That's his story, and he's sticking to 
you know. I mean, the evidence is the evidence. But he didn't mean it. It was a joke. The whole thing was a joke. And <laughs> He didn't take it well. Now, you know, another thing you do, which people, when they see you, they will find out. You do impressions, some great stuff. And these are all tough, uh, like Bette Midler, Joan Rivers, uh, Dr. Oh, Ruth. sure. Can we talk here? <laughs> oh, you have no idea. Oh, stupid, stupid, stupid. Wow, that's perfect. <laughs> Thank you. Did you did you ever get to meet Joan and kind of? Oh do yeah, I was on her show. I was. Uh, she had a daytime show where um, I forget why I was on there. Um, oh, oh, uh, I won uh, second place on America's Funniest Videos, uh, and I was doing an impression of Joan Rivers, and so Joan had me do. Joan on her show. It's on my website, michellelafong.com. I have a clip. It's like a, a, just a short clip of dueling Jones, me and her <laughs> together. <laughs> she was a great sport. She was a, not so much, Dr. Ruth was not such a great sport. She didn't take it as well. It's always interesting to me when you impersonate somebody. Some of them just love it, and that always is great. But So Dr. Ruth didn't care for what you were? Uh, <laughs> no, no. She was very, uh, first of all, she walked off uh, a television show with me. Um, I was on the Sally Jesse Raphael show. They, they flew me in. I think it was in Missouri, and uh, they hid me from Dr. Ruth. They, Dr. Ruth, they did a segment with her, and then they thought it would be hysterical to have me come out and have a secret camera on her face while I'm doing my impersonation of her. And... I, that is not how they explained it to me when they booked me on the show right. and flew me in. You know, they told me that uh, they wanted to have us on together, but they didn't tell me that she didn't know about it. So when I got to the show, I had a really bad feeling, yeah. and I said to the producer and to Sally that... You know, I feel very uncomfortable. I have a bad feeling. Can I just meet her before the show and talk to her? And they said, no, that's going to ruin the whole thing. And I said, I don't see this working. I don't think this is going to work. And uh, Sally said, oh, are you kidding me? You don't know Dr. Ruth at all. I do a radio show in New York with her. She she has the best sense of humor. Oh, boy. As it turns out, not so much. <laughs> so uh, I'm doing my, my show right from the get-go. She's got her arms crossed and her legs crossed, and she's, her body language is not good. And uh, I see that she is not happy. So I don't look her direction, and I just focus on the audience, and I'm doing my thing. But little did I realize they had a monitor up in the studio of Dr. Ruth's reaction, and everyone was afraid to laugh because they saw she was getting madder and madder. 
about halfway through that, you you must feel like, well, okay, I got to get through this, but uh... oh, totally, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. I knew, I knew, and uh, but people were still laughing, but it was uncomfortable because yeah. <laughs> they saw that she was upset. So all of a sudden. Sally stands up and goes, and we got to go to a break, and we'll be right back. Well, she lied. We never came right back. <laughs> the yeah. whole, um, all of a sudden, Dr. Ruth gets up. I am very, very angry. Very angry. I don't sound like that. Okay? <laughs> this is not funny. Not funny. And she goes walking off. Everybody goes and chases her. And I'm left standing there with the microphone in my hand while they dismiss the entire audience. Wow. Next thing I know, I'm being locked in a room and I can't get out. And they're, they're say, making up excuses why I can't leave the room. And my gut told me, because I had no experience at the time, I was new in the business, really new. And uh, it was like three months into my career. Yeah, and, yeah, and uh, but I had a feeling that the press was there. And sure enough, the Associated Press was there. And they lied to the press about why I was there, they acted like they didn't know what I was going to do. And the next day, the headlines read, Dr. Ruth says enough is enough. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's got her finger up in the air. And, and it was in every newspaper in the country. And Sally's producer and Sally said that uh, I came up to them, I was in the audience, and I came up to them and told them I wanted to show Dr. Ruth what she looks like in a mirror. And, I mean, this is how they introduced me, no less. After everything I told them, that's the way they introduced me, is she wants to show you what you look like in a mirror. Wow. <laughs> Not a good intro. No, that's terrible. What che what a cheap shot they did there. And then Dr. Ruth, I mean, come on. Dr. Ruth was was this uh, elderly lady. That was the whole thing. If if it wasn't if she didn't look like and sound like she did regardless of what she was talking about, she never would have been on. She should have a better sense of humor. She should have, but here's the other problem. She tried to sue me. <laughs> now, this didn't happen till after um, you know, but I was making a really good living uh, in life, ma not life, in um, New York Magazine. I, ha I ran an ad, uh, Dr. Ruth Impressionist, uh, and I would roast people at their events, you know, as Dr. Ruth. Right. And I was like the highest paid uh, uh, act in, in that magazine. And I was going from party to party to party, like I was booked. And she wanted a piece of the action. And so I, I heard from her attorney, and he was trying to bully me um, and, and scare me. And I went to an attorney, and the attorney was bullied and scared. <laughs> <laughs> so wow. when he called back, I said, you know what, I, uh, 
I would love to be sued by Dr. Ruth. Could you let me know when this is going to happen? Because I want to get my PR team on it. Hello? Yeah, that's Hello? good. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Call the bluff, right? That, that's, yes. that's terrific. That's terrific. It, it's <laughs> the best story, you know, because it, it worked. It worked. It's like I never heard from him again. And... And that was the the whole thing. But no, she doesn't have a great sense of humor. No, no. Well, it's the same person. She went on Howard Stern's show and so forth. So for her to sit there and be appalled by this is really, uh, it takes a lot of gall, you know. But- yeah, exactly. Maybe it was the midget suit that offended her. I don't know. <laughs> and, and you do Jackie, too, huh? Yeah, to tell you the truth, I don't know which way to go. What? I don't understand the way people talk when somebody dies, they call it awake. <laughs> Nobody's getting up. I remember, <laughs> he's great. I remember interviewing him one time, and it was great. I asked him a question. He goes, why are you asking me? He goes, yeah, exactly. I should be asking you. <laughs> he was the funniest guy. I mean, just just to talk to, it was entertaining. Everything, like uh, when he had his own sitcom, remember that? He had chicken soup. He, he was like, when Roseanne was in her heyday, ABC gave Jackie Mason uh, uh, his own sitcom called Chicken Soup. Right. Well, Jackie thought I would make a great character on the sitcom. And so he took my manager and myself to, to L.A., and we were on the set, and we were paid as extras. You know, so that it didn't cost us money to learn what we're learning and meeting people and all of that. You know, very smart how he did that. And he, he, just as we were on the verge of getting something, he said something that he shouldn't have said, and (laughs) boom, gone is the sitcom. Yeah, so, but that was Jackie, you know? You never knew. You're living on the edge. You've you've opened for some of the greats, but also some of the greats have opened for you, and I thought (laughs) that's really incredible. Talk a little about that. That's funny to me. I love that. I mean, I remember, you know, upstate New York, I was... You know, you, back in the heyday when comedy was really booming, you working every every night, every night in a different place. Uh, didn't matter what night of the week it was; there was plenty of work. It was just. Uh, it was fantastic. So I got sent to this place upstate New York, and who's my opening act? David Spade. David Spade, I didn't know who he was, but apparently he did have a name already in movies. But, you know, but I was closing the show, not him. Yeah. And when I saw his act, I realized why. He was new in comedy. It's like he he wanted to learn stand up and I was just I had a it wasn't easy following that, let me tell you. Yeah, but, well and Ray Romano too? Wow. Ray Romano fantastic. I mean he was fantastic when I saw him. Uh, I met him at one of the shows he did, and I went up to him and I told him that I had a show, a one-woman, not a one-woman show, I had uh, my own running show um, at a place called Wonderland. It was on 2nd Avenue and 29th Street, and 
I, I said to him, you, I just love your comedy. You're going to go places. You're fantastic. And I have a press night where, you know, all the press is coming uh, to cover the opening of the show. Would you open for me? And he did. And he was fantastic. And two years later, boom, he's on the David Letterman show and... The rest is history. Um, and and uh, I gave Kevin James, King of Queens, his first gig. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you something. Folks, if you get a chance, if you haven't seen Michelle Wolfong, you should. She is great as you can tell. And you're going to have a shot to see her, which I think is really exciting. May 3rd, Tuesday night, 7 o'clock. I want you to tell us all about it. It's at the yes, Sterling I, Club. I want to mention, I want to mention, uh, it's a great lineup. You have Stefano DeSanto, he's producing it, and he's a fantastic singer, too, at the Sterling Club, and he's going to be doing a karaoke thing right after following the show, so that's going to be a lot of fun, too. But the other two acts on the show are both fantastic. You've got Penny Wiggins, who uh, she was the amazing Jonathan sidekick for years. She was the blonde bombshell. Yeah, he just passed. That's really, yeah, yeah that's sad. Yes, it's been rough. It's, it's been rough for comedy, let me tell you. One after the next. But um, So she's fantastic, and she's been doing a lot of comedy, and she's going to be uh, in a show at Planet Hollywood opening next month, I believe. Um, the Tiger King. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so she's got the role of a significant, the, the blonde lady yeah. who, uh, you know, who's accused of killing her husband. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, typecasting. What can I tell you? <laughs> she's just such a great character, Penny Wiggins. And you've got Barbara Brighton, who's been in the business forever. And she she's on as Joan Rivers, and she calls herself Joan Rivers, uh, Florida's answer to Joan Rivers. <laughs> I didn't know there was a question, but apparently there is. <laughs> and she's the answer. So there's no cover charge, but you do need to make reservations uh, and get on the guest list. Uh, otherwise, you may be out of luck. All right, so how do we do that? We go to the Sterling Clubs? Uh... Yeah, the Sterling Club, 702-732-9700. And if you forget that, go to the web, look for Sterling Club, but you got to go. Sterling Club's a great place for shows, too, so... Uh... By all means, and if you're planning to be out of that time, you don't want to miss it. Michelle, I just had a blast. I want to have you on again. This was just too much fun. we got to do this again. That sounds fantastic. I'm ready. 